Welcome to Monkey and Frank. My name is Do. Today I want to talk about my past to be able to bring you in so that the rest of my story makes sense. It starts with uh, meeting my wife. In the time, in that time of my life, I was for the first time really grabbing courage. I had quit cannabis for uh, I would say about a month or so. I was feeling great and for the first time I was feeling courage and I was on the path of wanting to go and asking girls number and just seeing if they would say yes or no because I had never done that in my life. Growing up in a small village I've always ended up with a girlfriend without really doing anything like it just happened but now I was older 20 uh, 25 I believe I had never asked a girl's number I've uh, always been too scared and now I have this courage I'm back from being a flight attendant I feel like I've got spirituality and God I was really into Catholic and uh, Jesus and Jesus uh, you know like I really felt like it made sense you know to forgive to love fully to embrace you know the weak and be there for others so i had all this courage for the first time in my life and things were going great i could feel it and then i see this beautiful girl working at tim hortons and she's the only one that's smiling everybody else uh, is miserable you know they're old or whatever but they don't want to be there and this girl is having a time of her life smiling and serving customer and my routine was to go at Tim Hortons every morning before going to my job in construction and I, I she was so cute I just wanted to ask her out so the first time I go to the counter I don't even get the courage I look in her eyes and I say you have beautiful eyes and then I kind of put the coffee in front of my face and I, I walk away I became red as a as a tomato so a week passes by and I go and I ask her number boom gives me a number I'm happy as a clam go home start dating her and a week pass or two week passes and my aunt dies and that aunt I was close enough and uh, you know I have grown up with her in a small village and she was there and she's always been one the open heart and it was the first death in the family uh, that was really close that in the family really like in my immediate family like on my dad's side on my mom's side and uh yeah and that was sad like and my wife was there for me and you know gave me support but that made me weak i remember like how i i couldn't now give her up like there was an attachment which i've always had in my life like the problem of uh, letting go right and Two weeks passes after that, and then my cousin dies. And my cousin, Frank, Monkey and Frank, Frank was my soul brother. He was the other side of me. He was the side that would experience life to the fullest and always get in trouble where I was this, this scared older cousin that would kind of rein him back, but I was always with him. Like, whatever he did, I tried to follow as best as I could. And... But since a young age, we were together, like inseparable. If there was a family party, 
Frank. If uh, you know high school Frank, like every time I would go out to my friend with my friends, Frank would be there, and it would annoy my friends to no end. But there was no way around it, you know. He was my my brother, seriously. So then that guy dies, and now I really get attached in a very unhealthy way to my wife um, because she was there for me for both of these deaths and both of these deaths were brand new and my cousin's death was like it broke all my spirituality like all of it god or whatever was it no fuck you like uh, nothing and I felt so alone, so detached, so I had lost my rock. That's how I explained it to myself, to my friends. Like I had a rock in my life that no matter what I did, how much trouble I would get in, he was there, the rock. And same with me. And the beauty with this relationship was that when we were together, we were very quiet, but it was so enjoyable. We just smoke, smokes and smoke weed, ride, drive listen to music and just enjoy and when i was on the up and up uh, for the last month or so where i had quit weed my cousin too had quit and he was on the up and up like he was having a better relationship with his dad and his mom and my mom and my dad because they simply just hated the fact that we smoked right so now i'm attached to this woman in a very unhealthy way and i start kind of going back into this anger into this frustration and to the weakness of my life and we go years and years and we stay together even though things are not like we saw something in each other at the very beginning that and I still see and because of that we stayed together and it was unhealthy so let's talk about the experience of MDMA. I get to a point where we're at our wit's end and our friend suggests MDMA for the rehabilitation. We go in. Scared as I was, I wanted to try something. I wanted to try anything because I knew that what was happening in the relationship was entirely my fault and entirely for the fact that I had full of depression, anxiety, you know, going into a hole and not being able to communicate, being explosive, like all of it. So let's go and try MDMA. Take that uh, medicine and I don't know, like 30 minutes after, there's a panic that rose inside of me that, oh my God, I, I can't explain. It was such a big, it was really the feeling of panic. And my friend brought me outside, grabbed my hands, and he said, tell me what's going on. And I just did a diarrhea of words of everything that was going on. And by the end of it, I, it must have lasted a 45 minutes of me just diarying <laughs> words about what I was feeling. And they were only words. There was no tears or nothing. And by the end of it, there was no more fear, no more anger. All of that thing had gone from me. And the only thing I was feeling was connection, understanding the wanting to be there for others i couldn't let go of people's eyes we were sta staring at each other's soul um me and my friend uh, when we went through this 
And then he brought me inside and brought me to my wife and we sat. And for the first time, I would say, we saw each other. I saw her. I don't know for her. She probably saw me a long time ago. For me. For the first time, I saw her. And we shared our frustrations, our everything. But there was none of the feelings of frustration or anger or, or sadness. It was just a pure understanding of even though I've heard your words a million times now they mean so much to me and I am so open to anything you are saying because all I want to do is give you my heart at, because it feels so open and that was the first journey it was incredible we stayed up all night and it, what a beautiful journey we started doing that on the regular every two weeks we would do MDMA and it had the same effect of removing the fear where we could communicate with our soul but more and more it was turning into you know let's include music let's in include light like kind of unhealthy way of doing it but during that rise of or that time of MDMA in my life I my wife's aunt got sick and was uh, terminally ill with cancer and she was very close to that aunt so I wanted to give her uh, a wedding and everything so we got married um, and the aunt was able to attend so and then in the next year we basically got married and on our wedding day I have to explain it was the most beautiful day uh, we really had a super fun time and at the end of the evening at midnight our small group of friends we were six we went back to our place did mdma all night it was incredible and got up the next day went to vermont for a small you know a weekend honeymoon because we didn't have the money at that time but what a beautiful and in that um, moment of mdma and the wedding going to Vermont I was really exploring the idea that I was a wizard I was going in deep and I am a wizard because it was helping me as well with the death of my cousin it was helping with my anxiety my panic attack had disappeared all of my symptoms were just gone from the first night we did MDMA and then as we continued they stayed off for a very long time and after we got married and we got we did MDMA we we stopped doing MDMA after all it was really unhealthy and we could all see it that we were getting really tired and it was basically not for us and over time all of my feelings of frustration and anger came back slowly but surely you know my anxiety and my panic attacks and near the end when I was close to having panic attacks that's when I decided to go to Arcana Spiritual Center to do ayahuasca and start the journey uh, that you guys have been listening to. Uh, so you guys have a little bit of a background of, you know, where I was, how I got there, why psychedelics, you know, why would I go to psychedelics uh, for more healing? Uh, the MDMA was a big source and what a beautiful, uh, what a beautiful um, medicine. So next I wanted to share about 
where we were. You know, I did the big mushroom trip where it showed me how much I disliked myself and how much the body was not me. And my purpose was to be the awareness for it so that we could do the work of growing into what we're supposed to grow into. Just like a, a plant goes towards the light, I plan to just take trust, the love of mother, the love of everything, and go towards that light. And the feeling of mother was getting stronger and stronger. I was getting more and more in love with the idea of God is everything. God creates mother, which is this reality, but it's also like life. You know, mother is life, which is the disgustedness of it and the love, like where a mother would forgive her son no matter what kind of mother. And so God creates mother and mother gives birth to God so that God can experience himself. So in this reality, mother is everything. And me, even though I'm God or in the image of God, I still have to look up and really bow down or well, bow down, um, have put my faith into something greater so that that something can support me in turn. And I, I really enjoyed that idea of mother. And ayahuasca really, and even the, the mushroom now at this point, really showed me how I am not this body. So I embraced it like there was no tomorrow. So every ceremony, every summer, a lot of my ceremonies with cannabis from that point would be to give me the strength, give me good posture, you know, uh, to be a warrior so that I can be more in presence to impress, well, not impress, but to do the work with mother. Um, things that I discovered during that time in my life was really surprising. Um, like the idea that I was always clenching my butthole all the time and I was not even realizing it. And it took, now because I, I had this great awareness of the body, I could see that I was clenching, but it was easier said than done to not do it. And it was really a practice of letting go. And through the letting go of the body, I was noticing that my mind, yeah, I know, okay? And <laughs> I was noticing through my mind that when I would go through the body, like doing the exercise of uh, relaxing my anus so that it would, <laughs> sorry for the word, it's such a weird word. I have shame. Um, I would have visions of like fears that would come up. And for example, like you're going to shit your pants. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Just relax. Relax everything down there. Let's see. And if you shit your pants, you shit your pants, right? We'll figure it out. And I was talking to my, I am talking to my body. I am talking to myself right now in the same fashion, which is, yo, you got this. And encouragement started to be a way of, just a way. If there was anything that was coming out of my consciousness to speak, it was positive. So the negative voice had fallen away. This, the, the, the purging of all the trauma through my cannabis ceremony and the mushroom ceremony, I feel like uh, 
really showed me with the my third eye connection, the breathing through the heart, that this entire illusion does not require thought to operate. Thoughts are a way to speak to your inner self, to speak uh, outward, to... I see it kind of like doing spells almost. So if I felt like um, the internal monologue, if ever you do have internal monologue and it's always going and you're not really in control of it, it's kind of like a runaway train. They talk about it in uh, Hinduism, in the Bhagavad Gita, about really, and the, the Tao as well, about having uh, control over the mind. And my trick was to really fall in love with something greater, like mother. So anyways, when I would go through my body, so one of them was uh, my chest and my shoulder. Uh, I was very much caved in. And as I was opening up my chest and doing exercise with the rings or with the weights or medicine ball or whatever it may be, more and more I was getting visions of or processing, well, I would see visions of my past, of things that I disliked, and it would create a reaction inside of me of discomfort, and I would breathe through my heart, look at mother, always have this po positive voice in my mind, like uh, that would be either saying stuff like, you got this, or mother, give me the strength, and that journey alone and it that's a funny one too because i've been rereading my book to record this podcast is that moment or moment day by day i forget sometimes to go back to mother or i'm more distracted to watch television so it's not like it's really it's a practice it's a practice that takes effort that it's something that you really have to consciously do, just like uh, practicing for work or hockey or whatever it may be. And Jordan Peterson talks about it in the way, and it makes super a lot of sense, that it's not efficient for the body to be grateful or to think of something positive to do, for because it does not reward the body for survival. You know, the body is programmed to always be on, to save its energy in case there's famine, to survive. And, you know, so it takes a lot of energy to be grateful. And I, I'm, it's amazing that I was starting to do a lot of it. And it was amazing because it was healing my body and my mind at the same time. So it was so illuminating. So at this time, I am going through a, a beautiful process of healing through the body and the mind. And I meet a group of friends that want to trip with me. And I didn't meet them yet, but I had been doing integration uh, circles uh, on my, on my, to integrate what I was going through. And it's something that I would recommend in your area or on meetups or whatever. If ever you do have experiences with the psychedelic, Go to those integration circles and express your story and really let it out. That's what I'm doing right now, and it feels amazing. And you really get to integrate and practice and really drill in what you want to accomplish out of life with your spirituality, or it be 
whatever. So I go to that uh, the cottage to have an experience with that group of friends. And I take uh, uh, LSD and cannabis, but I want to talk about that experience because it meant a lot to me in terms of finding love. The love monster. I want to talk about the love monster. So let me explain. I took acid, I took cannabis, and there was this soul sister there that I had just met. And she's all about love and God. And I was not used to that. But when I saw that uh, person, I took the LSD, somehow her love was contagious and just jumped into my heart. And there was this, like I said, like a heart opening that was so beautiful and so great and so surprising that for what happened inside of me is there is a love monster that got created somehow out of nowhere through her love through her I, I somehow I think she's the one that did this but hey, it's meant to be it might be my, it is mother obviously because she's a, an illusion of me but uh, <laughs> I get this love monster inside of me inside of me that no matter how I feel, no matter how much stress comes in, or if my warrior would come in, she was able to tame it and to really calm it down. <laughs> and that love monster still exists inside of me. But of course, as I go through my journey, if there's ups and downs, you know, it's a practice, like I, like I was saying. Uh, I love you guys so much. I'm going to stop it right here. It feels right. And thank you so much for listening. I love you with all my heart. And I tell you the truth, I have a lot of shame recording these things. And I wanted to share how much I'm uncomfortable. But go towards the uncomfortability. Uh, if you're doing something that you're not afraid of, it's not worth doing. Mike Tyson, all the way. All right, man. Monkey and Frank, I love you guys. And uh, I'll see you later.